and welcome to Silencing Women in the Name of God. I'm Devry Alice. Today we have on Marla Taviano. Marla is the author of Unbelieve and her newest release, Jaded, which is a poetic reckoning with white evangelical Christian indoctrination. It is, there's so much good stuff in there, guys. Like, I don't even know how to say exactly what it is because it just covers so many topics. Racism, colonization, Black Lives Matter, treatment and acceptance of LGBTQ people, uh, women, uh, so, so, so many things. Um, So we have some great, wonderful conversations. And we also talk about her old books. And I'm sure if Marla is listening, she probably is like, oh, no, like, don't start with that. But listen, Marla used to write books teaching women how to subject themselves to their husbands. Subject was not the right word, but I still am going to leave it because I think it's appropriate. Submit. Um, Submit to the husband. Submit to the church. Submit to whoever had authority over them. Um, And she would teach this to groups of women. And I mention this because not only do we talk about it, but I just am so impressed with her courage and her strength and her humility to be able to come back onto the scene after she has left this um, place of indoctrination and claimed her own strength and her own sovereignty. And I really just wanted to recognize that because I think it's a really, really big deal. Uh, We have just some amazing conversations in here. I read some poetry from the book. It's going to be well worth your time. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you. Marla. Hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm just going to say fine. It's not the truth. But, <laughs> 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 but we, can, <laughs> we can get into that after you introduce me and ask me a couple questions. Okay. But, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. How are I'm you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's, <laughs> this is what I always tell people. I'm like, if I say fine three times, things are bad. Cause I'm always like, yeah. it's fine. I'm fine. We're fine. Like that means yeah. that is, that is not, things are not code. good. Yeah. <laughs> or I just I like freeze. Yeah. <laughs> and I, Cause I'm like, I don't think they actually want the answer, but I have trouble. No. Lying. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I get that. That's fair. Okay. Thank you uh, for coming on today. I'm so glad. Thank you for the listeners who are here today. Um, to my ears, I sound still a little, froggies um i've been sick for weeks marla has been so gracious Mm. to reschedule with me um (laughs) because that was the amount of times i've had covid it's like it's i should be the most immune person to covid Mm. on the planet it is ridiculous um so apologies for any weird i'll try to mute out the coughs but um (laughs) here we are so marla uh marla traviano and i were introduced by a mutual acquaintance well, that's not true. A mutual friend. Um, yeah. She has been my editor for quite some time. And I know you guys just met in person 
finally. We did. Which is yeah. so cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, Aaron reached out and was like, you have to interview her. I think that would be so good. Do you want me to introduce you guys? And it's been great. Um, so Marla Taviano is the author of Unbelieve and her newest release, Jaded, which is a poetic reckoning with white evangelical Christian indoctrination. I kind of flubbed that word a little bit. Indoctrination. There we go. It's it's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. I'm like, oh, my tongue does not want to work that hard this morning. Um, you can find her on Instagram. She has two different accounts. One is White Girl Learning, and one is her name, Marla Taviano. Um, White Girl Learning is books you've read, um, particular, usually a lot of on racism and expanding your understanding of people of color's experience. Am I correct in that? Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And then Marla Taviano. Why? Words, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, warned, I warned her before we started. I was like, I just flub and roll with it. So, but today is particularly going well. So, um, Marla Taviano, her personal account, you're going to cover your books that you're actually writing and your personal stuff and your story and all of that. Yes. Yep. That's Excellent. True. So before we really dive in, um, I want the listeners to know this book, Jaded, it covers so, so many topics um, mm -hmm. and they're all beautiful and they're all important. And I was having a really hard time pulling which ones I wanted so that I could figure out which direction we wanted to go because everything mattered. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing is I ended up pulling some of her poetry that really applies to the title of the podcast, Silencing Women and her own silencing um, and the effects that that had on, on her and her life. Um, but there are also a lot of beautiful, powerful poems around racism, colonization, Black Lives Matter, um, the treatment and acceptance of LGBTQ people. Uh, the list just goes on. She really goes in heavy in this. So I want to mention this because you can find this in Jaded and you should go read this and absorb mm -hmm. this material. For those of you who are looking for topics like that on this podcast, I'm going to just quickly say for a deep dive in racism, um, within the Mormon church, check out Chanel's interview for discussions around being queer and non-binary. Try um, Ellie's, Mary Helen's, or Casey's. Um, they are all really great on these topics. Okay, Marla. I'm going to get started with actually one of, one of your poems. Okay. Because the first one that I want to read is called groom groom because i think this leads us right into how you were groomed and how that went for you okay yeah so her first poem here groom groom says it's pretty smart to indoctrinate kiddos from a tiny age all while being told by experts that you're growing them in god's way get into their sweet malleable brains long before they fully develop and it's free sailing for a good while this practice is insidious, and I absolutely did it. Thought it made me a good mom. I played right into their hands, and I'm so glad my kids got out before I messed them up bad instead of just messing them up, probably fixable medium amount. Oh, I felt that one hard. <laughs> I felt that one hard. So we're going to start Ooh. with actually your growing up, but I do definitely want to talk about your own children as well, because that is such a hard thing for us mamas when we've been taught that that is how we save them 
Yeah. So do you want me to just start talking about my past? Is that- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just threw you to the wolves yeah. there. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead yeah. and start. Cause I know you, when we spoke before, um, you talked about being nicknamed mouth and how you had to learn how to submit. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's yeah. start with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like this. I, I love your podcast. I love that we're focusing in on one, one aspect of, of this, <laughs> this whole messy life that I, that I have going on. Um, but yes, I, I will say, okay, so I grew up in a very white, small town with a lot of churches. There are about 2,000 people in the town, and I think I want to say 10 churches. Like, they're just so, it was, I, I did not know how sheltered I was, did not know how white it was, how Christian it was, um, until I got out into the bigger world. Um, but what I what I will say, and I always say this about my parents whenever I'm talking about this, I did not grow up in a cult per se. I don't think I wouldn't call it super fundamentalist, but yeah, to some people it probably was. Um, but as a girl growing up, I'm hearing a lot of stories about girls who were not allowed to do anything. And that was not my story. My parents I was, I was very much a tomboy. I played all kinds of sports. My dad played catch with me. He took me to baseball games. I mowed the yard. I bailed the hay. I did all of these things. And my mind was also celebrated. I was co-valedictorian. I was, uh, I could be anything I wanted to be. So there's a poem in my, in my first book, I believe, about my parents. For all of the, the toxic beliefs that I start laying out that I grew up with, they never made me feel like I couldn't do something because I was a girl. However, as a wife and as a mother, Mm. that was kind of understood that the Bible said that wives submit to your husbands. And looking back now, my mom always said that she did that. But my dad is such a great guy that he never enforced that. He never lorded anything over my mom. It was Mm. always very mutual. And my dad would clean, my dad would cook. Um, And so the model that I had growing up was not the, the mom who had to do everything that the husband said. He was just sweet and kind um, Mm -hmm. to her, to us. He had three daughters and a son. And so that was, I, I, my silencing as a, as a woman did not start like in in my childhood, mm. I don't believe I'm still unpacking some things, but because our family was so zealous for Jesus, for God, for Christianity, for saving souls, for all of that, um, and because we took the Bible literally, and my parents to this day, I believe, are six day creationists. Like they believe if the Bible said God created the earth in six days, six thousand years ago, then that's what it means. So if the Bible says wives submit to your husbands that's that's what it means um so when i got married and started a family um i was still the strong-willed strong-mouthed <laughs> have a lot of opinions <laughs> kind of of woman but i also knew that the bible said that i was supposed to submit that my husband was the leader the spiritual leader of the of the home so for the 22 plus years that i was married um I spent a lot of time 
trying to force myself into that box. And so my 62 journals that I have from 2000 to 2020 are wow. very much, dear Lord, help me submit. I'm having trouble submitting. I messed up again. I like on and on and on and on and on, which I'm yeah. now realizing, oh, <laughs> maybe I was trying to be someone I wasn't. Maybe I was trying to be less than what I was. Maybe I was trying to make my husband be something that he was not equipped to be. Mm -hmm. um, and really that was, that was the struggle the whole entire mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, like I said, I'm still trying to figure this all out. I'm, I'm reading back through the journals now. I'm only on number eight <laughs> and I'm largely <laughs> doing this because my marriage ended in 2020. I want to say unexpectedly, it was unexpectedly, but things had not been great. Um, I didn't find out until January 2021, a few months later, that he had been cheating for four years. And that's, wow. that's why he left. Um, so that, and that um, came right on the heels of moving back to the States after five years in Cambodia. So that has been a lot of <laughs> upheaval in my life. Yeah. So the journal, going back to the journals is, is kind of a, a mental health project for me to figure out um, put together some pieces in my failed marriage and, and things like that. But also that I write from a place of, um, I, I'm writing about deconstruction. I'm writing about my changing beliefs and ideas. And I'm really in, interested in, in the harm that was done to me, but also the harm that I caused. And so yeah. it's kind of, um, I mean, it's probably going to be lifelong work. And I, I'm just grateful that I am a writer. That's what I do. And I don't know what people do who don't have things written down over the past 20 years or who like, I don't know how to go back and, and, and figure things out without reading what I have written. Um, but I wrote books about, um, like I have four traditionally published books about marriage, sex, motherhood, and pregnancy. And that's also on my list to go back and read those because I've I've thumbed through them. I've read a little bit recently. And honestly, it makes me nauseous because when I say that I I was beaten down and believed that I had to be less than and quiet and submissive. And even if my husband was wrong, I had to defer to him and all of these things. Well, then I turned right around and just told all the other women that like and I became yes. this mentor to young women telling them that their husband's needs are the most important thing. And you can win your husband to the Lord if you just act this way. And if he wants sex and you don't, you give it to him and whatever you have to do and, and cover your body and don't show your body to anybody else but your husband and dress modestly and on and on and blah, blah, blah. It's just a, it was this vicious cycle where yeah. I was taught that's what the Bible said. I love God so much that I, I believed that I tried to live it and then I, it was just a natural outpouring because I was a writer and a speaker. I just wrote and spoke about those things to yeah. women. And I kind of need to apologize to everybody. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I am, I'm really sorry. I've had people even recently come to me and say, um, you actually saved my marriage back in the day. And I'm like, oh God, what did I say? Like, <laughs> what did, how did right. I do that? Um, so it has been humbling. It has been beautiful. It has been healing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a lot, 
but it, it it's good. Yeah. Yes. Oh my, so much. Okay. So I'm so annoyed with myself. Normally I write down questions as I, <laughs> as you're, as they're talking, cause I know I'll forget, but I was so involved in listening to what you were saying that like the questions did not get well, written down. You. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, oh, out of practice. Like I said, this whole like month and a half, I just took off. I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Where am I? What is happening? Yeah, um, I, I have, I have a job to do. I can't just listen. What is it? Um, <laughs> So you actually wrote a poem kind of about what you just said, the Dear Complementarian Wives. Mm. And so I'll, I'm going to read it and I'm going to ask you if you like, like you wrote this as uh, speaking to other people, but I'm suspecting that you're also feeling this a little bit yourself. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you. So it says, um, I see you over there loudly, proudly upholding the patriarchy and feel ill. Sadly, I recognize my younger self in you. Some of you were born to lead and speak, and since that's forbidden under the prescribed gender roles you adhere to, you cheer on misogynistic hierarchy. Y'all are just as toxic as your men. I really Ooh. love the line about, I know, I know. I really love the line, though, about some of you were born to lead and speak, um, mm. and I think there's so much truth in that, in that there are so many of us that are gifted in that capacity and also feel called in that capacity. And when it is forbidden, you're right. You take whatever opportunities are presented to you. And the opportunity that was presented to you was to teach others how to do the thing that you spent so much of your life focusing on that you viewed as your own inadequacy, which was submission. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back now, I, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much there. I would come alive, like in front of people, people came to me for advice, like all of the signs pointed to, you are a strong woman who can mm -hmm. lead people and guide people and, and you're, you have wisdom. And, um, and so that was a constant battle because there were times, I mean, my ex-husband would say a lot of times, there's a lot of gaslighting and things that he did, but he would, if I was right and he was wrong, he would come back and say, oh, oh, you're always right. You're never wrong. You're so perfect. Like, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And a little bit true. <laughs> like, I was not. <laughs> you're like, I did happen to be right a lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not perfect and I'm not always right. I will say that. But a lot of the times that we argued about things, like my arguments were pretty airtight. Like I knew my stuff. I knew what I was talking about. I, I'm a pretty persuasive speaker. I was good at debating. I mean, those were just strengths for me. And when he's trying to come at me with things that are just not right, right. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't win an argument. So he would turn it on me. And I think he also kind of, um, he knew I was trying to be submissive and he would kind of poke at that. Like, you're not doing a very good job of that. You're not doing, you're not, that's not very godly of you. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I, I see that in women. I'll see that in women online. And I, I honestly don't follow any of these women that I would say are just so entrenched in the patriarchy and whiteness and um that they they live a certain way and then they prescribe that for everyone else like this is how it has to be you cannot work from home you cannot do this you can't do this. but then you see them having a big online platform or they're writing a book yeah. or they're doing these things and they're saying all of these things and then making 
making money doing what like what they're saying. I'm like, you yeah. don't see the irony of that. Like, <laughs> right. You don't see the irony of earning your own money by writing a book about how you should stay at home and submit to your husband and let him be the breadwinner in your family. <laughs> like, it's right. just because we can't see it. Like, we, it's just a um, you have to wake up to this. And, and and there's benefit. There are benefits to that. I mean. In my particular case, my my ex-husband did, did a crappy job. I don't know if you're allowed to cuss on this podcast, but he did a crappy um, job. Here's my opinion. Uh, <laughs> all of all of my podcasts are marked explicit so that okay. we can swear as much as we want because okay. I'm doing a podcast on not silencing women. And so I'll be damned if I'm going to tell these women oh, what they can well, and yeah. can't say. <laughs> yeah, so sure. say whatever you want. <laughs> That's awesome. And now I forget what I was going to say. I know the word. Oh, I was sorry. Gonna use. No, the word I was going to use was shitty, but I can't remember what. <laughs> <laughs> that, at least that stuck what? out. At least that's like, oh, uh, let's yeah. see. We were talking about the, the breadwinning um, and writing the books at home. Oh, got it. And got how it, it has its. It. Okay. okay. Yes. So in, in many, um, in many seasons in my marriage, my husband was doing a shitty job of providing for his family and I had to step up and, and do that. Um, and I could do that, but, um, some of these women are, um, they're just living a great, happy, comfortable life with their, their husband, who is the breadwinner. They're doing everything at home, all of this. What I didn't realize because I grew up in such a middle-class white sheltered kind of life that what do you say to the single mom, whether she's white or black or whatever? Um, what do you say to her that a godly woman stays at home with her children? Mm-hmm. Well, what if she doesn't mm-hmm. have a husband? Um, so what do you say to a single mother? What do you say to a single woman? All of these different things when marriage and motherhood are glorified as mm-hmm. the holiest thing that you can achieve then what does that say to people who choose not to have children, mm-hmm. cannot have children, are not married, want to be married, but aren't, don't want to be married. And then mm-hmm. what if you're queer? And it goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to think that the way that we interpret the Bible is just, is from our, from our perspective, from our experience and not thinking about other people and their lived experience. And that's what I did for so long. That's that's what I knew. I knew Christian wives, moms, like that was my circle. And so, yes, we were supposed to submit. Yes, um, marriage is supposed to make you holy, not happy. Like that's the, I forget, I think the title of that book was Sacred Marriage. And I, I read that book and in the, the tagline is literally marriage is to make you holy, not happy. So anytime I was unhappy, holy crap. I just thought, well, oh, this oh is. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my- okay. Hold on. We're going to, we're just going to say that real slow. Yeah. So you were taught that marriage, marriage is to make you holy, not happy. So if you were unhappy, it was fine. Cause that just made you more holy. You were doing the right thing. Was. And it, it wasn't just my marriage. It was everything in my life, like anything that, quote unquote, God did or brought into my life. Um, it, it didn't matter that I was suffering like I was suffering so God could get glory. Like, how can God get glory from this? Um, and I have poems in the book that talk about my fear that God would take one of my children just to teach yep. me 
to put God first. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm realizing that I said that my relationship with God was based in love, but it was really, really, really based in fear. I was doing things because I was afraid, but there was no guarantee. Even if I did everything right, God could still swoop in and, and do something awful. And you and I were talking just before we started about some technical difficulties I was having. And I told you that in my past life, I would have said, this is the devil. This is Satan trying to keep me from being on this podcast and sharing right. this truth. And that's what I, I blamed Satan for everything. Like my <laughs> husband would be a complete asshole. And I'm like, oh, that's just the devil trying to get in, in between us and get in our marriage. No, it yeah. wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, it was the man you married and these his issues with um, a lot of issues. But yeah, so I just think it's it's toxic. Going back to these women that I was talking about that uphold the patriarchy. That's and I won't say that it's all white women. I will say that it generally seems to, to work that way um, in my experience. But it just really. It just really pisses me off to see any group that's marginalized um, uplift the the ones that are that are oppressing them. Mm -hmm. And I, I see the temptation, and I know that happens. And I can't speak to any other group that does it. I can only speak to women. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I did it for so long. I thought that I was doing the right thing, the godly thing that like submitting made me holy. And, and mm -hmm. so I, I just did that. And it's one thing, like I mentioned, it's one thing to just me being oppressed, but I was going out and preaching it and not preaching, preaching, because preaching is not for women, but women can go speak to mops groups, um, mothers of preschoolers and tell them to submit to their husbands and have sex with their husbands and, and all of these things. So I was taking what I believed and then using my skills and my humor and all of that to persuade them to be like that too. And right. it's gross. And there's some redeemable stuff in it. There are funny stories in it. There are hints that I wasn't super convinced <laughs> that I should we're be talking submitting. about We're talking about your original four books here, right? My original four okay. books. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. So I would, I mean... Yeah, who knows? And I would love, no, I would not love. I, I kind of would love to watch or listen to a recording of me from 2007 oh, telling God, women. You're... <laughs> I literally, listen, I've been like just nodding over here. But every time you've mentioned like reading old journals and like reading your old book, I'm like, I'm like shivering and like, oh God, oh God. Yeah, like, yeah, I can, yeah. no, I couldn't. Yeah. I. That takes a, a um, dedicated amount, dedic, mm, words, words, sorry. My brain went four different directions simultaneously. It takes a huge amount of courage to do that because, mm -hmm. so like I've spent three years painfully, yes, completely looking at every single blasted thing that I've believed wow. and why, why do I yeah. believe that and what's going mm -hmm. on and, and why am I fearful of this or why am I, but when I do that, I'm doing it in meditation and it mm -hmm. hurts like hell and I'm mm -hmm. still getting general overviews. Like I'm mm -hmm. getting general, oh, you believed this, which is different than reading pages 
of your yeah. own handwriting in your own words. Like that is next level, <laughs> like really yeah. looking at yourself. And I yeah. like, I commend you because I don't know that I would be up for that even if I had 68 journals laying I in my house, of, which I yeah. don't. I kind of want a medal or a prize or something for this when I'm done. Like I would like, <sighs> I would like some kind of award. <laughs> so if you know Is where it, I can it, find that. Yes. <laughs> I, I, you can make yourself an award okay, for I, anything, I anything. I'll do it. <laughs> oh my God. Cause yeah, no, that is just, and to, yeah, watch yourself do a, a presentation about submitting. Like I could not make myself do that. So Good, good on you, lady, man. So really quick, I want to, I have so many things that I want to ask you a couple of questions about. Um, when we talk about silencing and we, um, I, I had a neighbor who actually came on the podcast, uh, Lindsay, she, when I asked her originally to come on the podcast, she was like, well, I don't really think I've, I've been silenced. Mm. And I was like, Okay, let me redefine that for you. Mm. And so I gave her a definition of different ways we're silenced. And she was like, oh, mm. oh my God. Like, yes. And okay, yes, I'd like to talk about it. But I think that it is so sinister in all of these different systems that silence us. And in your story, you've you've thrown out like four or five just like super casually. So when we talk about like this, the funny story about uh, Satan blaming everything on Satan, like Satan's yeah. trying to get between us, Satan's ruining this. Like this is all Satan's fault. I think that is such a, a toxic belief system because what it does is it prevents us from learning mm -hmm. and growing because we yeah. never stop to go what's actually happening. We don't look back at the journals. We don't yeah. look back at the books yeah. and be like, because it's not me, it's Satan, right? Yeah. It's, this mm -hmm. isn't my problem. And so when that happens, we as human beings do not grow, we do not learn, which means we really don't find our true voices. We mm -hmm. just continue to use the voice that was handed to us by somebody else. Yeah. Can you, can you talk to us about your own experience with that? Because you, you definitely have been in that place and now you are not in that place anymore. How how does that affect you personally? Like what differences do you see in the way that you approach situations, the way you just approach your life? Um, yep. I always, I always end like I'm going to say one more thing and then <laughs> I'm, I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm leaning Damn forward. It. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, that was it. Sorry. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So let me, let me clarify here. So you're, you're asking me, how do I approach my life now? that I'm not being silenced um, differently than, than when I was it, or no. Well, yes, but specifically now that you don't have that fear scapegoat, now oh, that we can't okay. say everything okay. is Satan's fault. Yeah. How has that affected your growth so that you can use your voice okay. more? Yeah. Well, what I'll say first is that, um, not only did I blame the devil or Satan for everything that went wrong, I gave God credit for everything that went mm -hmm. right. And mm -hmm. I didn't actually factor into any of this. So that's another way like that I didn't have a voice. There were, I had no control. Right. I had no autonomy. 
if bad things happened to me, that was Satan. If good things happened to me, that was God. I'm just this empty vessel, right? Mm. Like I am nothing. I am this shell. Then I either need to be filled with God and filled with the Holy Spirit and let God move through me, or I'm letting the devil get in. I am irrelevant. Like I am just Mm -hmm. literally like when you hear the word, when I, I used to love that I'm a vessel, fill me. And now I'm like, Oh, that's disgusting. Like I, that, that I am just this empty, empty shell, kind of like a shell on the beach that a crab comes in and lives in. And like, then the crab leaves and I'm just the shell and I'm nothing until another crab. Yes. And yes. And that was praised. That was what you were going for. Mm-hmm. And and another thing is, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Only look at God in me. Like this, give mm-hmm. anything I do. So things, not only things that happened to me that were good, God gets the praise. Anything I do or say, if it's smart, if it's kind, if it's wow, that's God. It's not me. I'm nothing. Like I am mm-hmm. zero. I'm the empty vessel. That's the God crab inside of me. I've never used this analogy. I don't know where it came from, but like, I like I, it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> so I got to write this down. God crab. That might be a poem. I will credit you for bringing that up. Um, yes. Thanks, Debbie. I did nothing. I just sat here literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Once I started having these doubts and questions, and that's another thing that got silenced. I couldn't have doubts. I couldn't have questions. I I got them silenced by other people, but in my journal, I would silence them myself. I would yes. say, I can't, yes. like, I'm trying, I'm not doing this. Help me be more submissive. Like, on and on and on and on. I'm trying to self-silence. Like, I'm trying to contain myself, control myself, keep it under wraps, whatever. When I started this deconstruction journey where I did start to allow myself to ask questions, to have doubts, um, where I got to, and I have not landed in a certain spot, but one thing that I'm pretty adamant about currently is I'm not giving God all of the credit and none of the blame. I will take blame myself. Now I realize things happen that are outside of my control. When things happen to me, I can't always, I'm just talking about in my life from now on, if something really great happens, instead of saying, Oh, God did that. God did that. No, I did that. I did that. I am the one who, whose ex-husband left, cheated on her, left her with no money and four children in a new state. And I pulled myself out of that with some help from people who loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I'm the badass. I'm this. I'm that. Right. And if I mess up, I messed up. It wasn't Satan. It wasn't the devil. Like it, it was. And so, so it's not an exact thing. Like I said, some things are outside of my control. But things that I'm going to start taking credit. Like I'm not giving it to God. And I like even football players. After the Super Bowl, like in this particular Super Bowl we just had, there are two quarterbacks and they're both um, identified as Christians. So you've got one who is praising God for the victory. Well, the other one is not blaming God 
for the defeat. He's blaming himself or this didn't go well or right. whatever. Nobody, no Christians get up there and be like, we should have won, but God screwed everything up. No, <laughs> right. but when they do win, it's always glory to God. God did this, God, whatever. Same yeah. with the, the football player who collapsed on the, on the football field a few months ago and the EMTs and everybody swooped in and his life was saved. I know I had a friend years ago, her son collapsed on a basketball court and died because he was in high school and there weren't all of those emergency medical people ready to come in and save his life within 15 seconds. And mm -hmm. everybody across the internet is praising God, praising God, praising God for saving this young man's life. And I'm thinking, what about these people who trained in college for years to learn how to do this, to learn how to do surgery, to learn how to like get people's hearts mm -hmm. beating again, all of these things, but no, it's, it's God. God gets all the credit. What if he would have died? Would that have been God's fault? Well, no, it's not God's fault because we just praise God. So part yeah. of me now taking that back and, and owning my own voice is I can, I can voice questions. I can voice doubts. I can voice anger. Um, I can say all of those things and it's, it's okay to do that. I don't know what I believe about God right now, but if I do talk to God, I can talk to them very, very boldly and bluntly. And I do find myself thanking God when I feel so grateful for something, it's bubbling up inside of me. Mm -hmm. I could thank myself. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll just be like, thank you, mama God. Like, I'll just say, I just, I have to, to thank someone, something, and and I do that, um, but I don't, I don't take blame on myself and give right. and give credit to God. I'm not, right. I'm not into that anymore, and I can't believe I did it so long. And I'm seeing it everywhere that people do it so, mm -hmm. so, so much, and, yeah. Um, and yeah. So the and taken back to the marriage making you holy, where I would actually thank God. For bad things in my marriage because I, I was like oh this is gonna make me holy thank you god praise you god <laughs> and it's like this is just i mean god cannot lose right like god cannot lose in this in this situation right and um yeah so it's just but, ta but taking a lot back every yeah and we lose every time in a way and that's oh yeah i think mm -hmm. If this is, oh, it's such a hard position to be in, and I know you'll understand this, because actually you wrote a poem about that. I didn't print that one off. <laughs> I have your poems all over my desk. Woo! Um, so I like literally, there's like everywhere. Um, but I do remember reading that one. But um, it's hard because when you've been in a religion for so long, like I listen to you and I'm hearing you as me. And I'm also hearing you with the ears of old me you know, from those religious groups. And so I know what the reactions are and the thoughts are and the yeah, buts yeah. are to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I have the same thing when I speak, like I know, and I have to like quiet it down so that I can actually say what I want to say over the yeah, buts that I can right. like hear in my head. But when we like, you're like, God can't lose. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I would argue that we lose on the one hand, it's lovely because people feel like they're not alone, yeah, right? Yeah. They feel like there's a unseen power that is supporting and helping. And there is mm -hmm. beauty in that, I would argue. Mm -hmm. However, when we do what you're talking about, when we say, 
you know, yeah, everything bad is my fault and everything good is, is God's grace or whatever mm-hmm. we want to label that as. I feel like it leaves us in a constant place of inadequacy. Yep. We never develop the courage and the, the faith in ourselves mm-hmm. that says, I can do this. Right. I am strong enough mm-hmm. to handle this. And if I'm strong enough to do that, what else? Mm-hmm. What else could I do? And yeah. I think this mentality robs us of that. Well, it definitely does. And it's on purpose because we are being told this not by God themselves. We're being told this by pastors, husbands, people in authority over us who have a stake in this, right? Like if if we were to, to understand how much power we have, then who knows what we could do? And and it's ironic, but not ironic that they, they do acknowledge that we have some kind of power and it's usually a sexual power. Like you have the you have the ability by just wearing something off your shoulders and it can cause some man to just stumble and fall and fall into sin and do all of this. Like you have that power. So cover yourself, don't do this, don't open your mouth, whatever. Um, and it just it's really it's it's really gross but it i'm i'm realizing i have a poem too in the book about like how happy i am not to be married to a mediocre white man anymore like it's Mm, it's just and it's no it's not a slam on white men in general it is he got away with and so many men get away with this being mediocre and not trying to be better because they've mm-hmm. pushed us down so much and they know that we will lift them up. We will submit, we'll do whatever. They don't have to do anything. They just have to be a man, like, and not be a man in the sense, like live up to a man, just exist, just exist, do nothing, put forth no effort, and feel on top because there you're a man. And that's how it worked in this patriarchal society, this hierarchy. Um, and once you see this a lot, and it's it's with a lot of marginalized groups, you see that black people having to work harder than white people, women having to work harder than men, immigrants having to work harder than, than naturalized citizens. All these, when you start out at a disadvantage in some kind of hierarchy, you have to work two times as hard, three times as hard just to get to where someone else is just because they're there. Like someone born into yep. wealth and someone born into poverty. And we, I hear people talking about how people are in poverty because they're lazy. The laziest people I've ever met are people who have been handed things on a silver platter and don't have to work for them because their daddy gave them <laughs> his business yeah. when they were 10 or whatever. That's, that's the kind of thing that, um, it, yeah, it's, they, they don't want women to to use their voice. They don't want women to know about their strengths. They don't want women to know. And so they just tell us, well, it doesn't really matter because the Bible says, God says your place in the home is under your husband. Then they try to make it all cute. Like he keeps you safe. He keeps you like protected. This is the best place for you to be is like under his wing or whatever and it's really like under his yeah. boot it's not under his, his boot. 100%, it's not under his 100%. wing and so they frame yeah. everything 
and they prey on the fact that I want to be godly, right? I want to be holy. I want to be holy. So just tell yeah. me that the way for me to be holy is to submit, not say what I really feel. I can't trust my feelings. My heart is evil. I'm wretched. Right. I'm nothing without God. And on and on and on and on. Yeah. And then I yeah. I will do anything I can to get rid of my sin nature that I think it's my sin nature. Mm -hmm. When it's really just my nature nature. <laughs> it's my right. it's my fine, acceptable, wonderful, God created nature. It's who I am. And I don't get mm -hmm. to be who I am. And right. so many marginalized people whether they're queer or black or Muslim, or they, they don't get to be who they are. Like that mm -hmm. is such a key part of them. And, and it, we're pushing down, pushing people down, silencing them. Um, and no matter what you believe about God, if you believe God created people or not, like just who we are inside, like there's just, when, when everyone can be whole and be who they are, it's, yep. it's magical, it's dangerous because some things are going to get toppled some systems are going to get toppled right. if everybody is free to be completely themselves and this is the most myself i have ever been since yeah. when i was an itty bitty kid who hadn't gotten into all this shit yet. <laughs> but yeah. um yeah. it's and going back to my kids and messing them up just a probably medium fixable amount. Um, <laughs> I, I feel that like they are, they're 22, 20 and 17 now. And, and we talk about this a lot. Like all I want for them is to be whole. I want them to be who they are. I want their strengths out there. I want them to dress however the hell they want and, and pursue whatever they want. And, and all I care about is that they are kind, loving, decent human beings. That's the only non-negotiable I have. Nothing else matters. Right. Whereas before, it was a whole lot of rules and a whole lot of boxes and you need to fit yeah. inside. And I was just so worried they might have sex before they got married or something wild like that. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. it's freeing to not have that fear. Like I, I still have anxiety. My anxieties are... Um, mostly surrounding like my something happening to one of my kids i still have that kind of anxiety but i no longer have the anxiety that they will make a bad choice or that they'll do something that's not pleasing to god or or whatever those I, those fears are gone my fear of hell is gone because i don't believe in hell anymore and it's amazing what freedom you feel when you aren't afraid of made up things <laughs> that people yes. wanted you to be afraid of because that's how they controlled you. And um, yeah. that's what I want for people. I tell people, um, listen, I'm not here to take your comforting beliefs away. Like I have a friend, a really dear friend who told me she couldn't read my book, Unbelieve, um, because her husband has cancer. And she's like, Marla, I have to, I know you're unbelieving all these things and I have to believe there's a heaven. I have to believe if he dies, I'll see him again. And I said, you do not have to read my book, but I'll just tell you, I'm not here to take away anybody's comforting idea of heaven. I'm here to take away the idea that if you don't believe like I do, you're going to hell. How is that's a comforting belief for a lot of Christians. It really is. I don't get that anymore. 
how is it comforting to you that you believe right everybody who doesn't believe like you will end up in eternal conscious torment i want to believe in heaven too like i i want a heaven (laughs) if somebody i love dies i want to see them again like i i want that so bad but hell no need there is zero need for that yeah it 100 percent. and this it's it's hard to acknowledge because none of us like it um but it's the same acknowledgments that's that's needed to realize most of the things that are talked about in your book and that is that human beings we really like hierarchical systems Uh, we like the power structure because we are not at the bottom of it and Mm -hmm. so this idea of hell appeals to people Mm -hmm. because why it puts us at the top of the power structure Mm -hmm. which is so hard to swallow that that like it's hard for me to say it because what does that mean that means that i lived that way for a while right? Mm-hmm. For the majority of my life, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, I am so lucky that I'm one of the chosen few. Oh, I know, that, like, right? gets to, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's so, it's so hard to admit it, but that is the truth. That is what we are all functioning on. Because otherwise it would be abhorrent yeah. to us. Yeah. The idea that these wonderful people yeah. that we love and we yeah. know and we can see such value in, we would not be able to say, Oh, but darn it, they're going to hell because they're not my religion. Like we would be like, whoa, hard stop. Like this does not make sense, right? It doesn't make sense. There's so much that doesn't make sense. And and I I know how much I believed it and how long I believed it. And that will always stay with me, but it doesn't stop me from thinking on a daily basis. How the hell did I believe that? Like, how did I believe it's that all you ever yeah, knew yeah, it's, you did you it's know what, and, yeah yeah and i i yeah. think too that has been go ahead. sorry i was just gonna say i normally i would let you go instead of me <laughs> but i do want to for the listeners i want to get this yeah. out i think that a huge part of healing has been to come to these realizations without shame mm-hmm. like accepting the fact that yes i was you know lying to myself enough that I couldn't see that I enjoyed being at the top of a hierarchical system. But I, but I enjoyed that because I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that because that's what I've been taught since Mm -hmm. I was able, like I learned that with language. I learned that with survival. There were no choices in this matter for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, although I need to see it, I need to acknowledge it. I need to change Mm -hmm. it. I do not mean to shame the shit out of myself. Mm-hmm. I do not need to wallow in torment. I need to change. Yeah. And you can't change when you are in that amount of shame. So I just, I want to put that out there for people that it's okay and important. It's not just okay. It's imperative that we say, I used to think this mm-hmm. way and I'm going to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make me a bad person. Yeah, and I think that comes up a lot in things. Um, I know on this like anti-racism journey that I've been on, when I first started waking up to this around 2010, 11, 12, um, I would learn things and I would immediately put it online and I was shaming people. Like I felt shame and I would shame people. And I don't know what I would go back and do differently and how I would change that, but I don't, I don't do that now. Now, what I will say is, I will speak truth and I will talk about history and I will bring things up. 
And I can't, I can't, um, I can't know how people will respond to that. Like I will say something mm-hmm. oh, yeah, and I'll yeah. have someone that's like, thank you for that. Thank you for that. You're so right. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to work on that. And someone else will get, will feel so much shame and feel so upset. Yeah. Like I had what my sister disowned me, um, a few years ago over some of these, these same things. And she would feel that shame. Whereas another person in my family who also knew me just as well, didn't feel those same things. Like that's not how she received it. And so I, I have found that shame is, it's not, it's not a good motivator. It's, it's not helpful, but, but yes, acknowledging it. So that's something we have to each learn and work on ourselves. How can I go back and see, or how can I be told that something is toxic or harmful or not true without feeling so terrible about it? And I was just talking to a a black friend um, just the other day about white guilt. And he was saying like, when when we first met, he saw a lot of things that I was doing like anti-racism wise. And he was a little skeptical and he's like trying to get to know me more. And then he realized that Oh, you don't, you're not doing this out of white guilt. Like you genuinely Mm. want people who are different from you, black people, anyone to thrive. You want to celebrate them. You want to learn, you want to unlearn. Mm -hmm. I I see that now. And so Mm -hmm. we know that kind of in our, in our own selves, like we, if we messed up, if we believed wrong things, if we caused harm, we want to make it right. But it's not, like you said, it's not beating ourselves up and, and, and when would it ever end? Like, when will I ever have been able to make it right? And that's that's tricky and that's nuanced. Like, my ex-husband, right. for example, yeah. does not have a relationship with his kids right now because of a lot of things he's done. And he's he's tried a couple things and they're like, no, he hasn't made anything right. Like, you can't just say, oh, well, and offer a few little words. And and what will it look like for him to make things right? I, I don't know that right now. Um, but the shame it yeah it's just not going to cut it and when i go back i i have seen growth in me where i can look back at 30 year old marla who wrote those words to women in a book and i can i can just want to like pat her on the back and be like oh sweetie oh honey like i love you and i i know how hard you're trying and and so i i'm able to see to see that in her which gives me empathy for people who are still in that, still believing that, still thinking that. That's why when people come to me, I get this a lot where people will say, you won't listen to the other side. You, it's all your way or the highway. And I'm like, um, everything you're saying to me is who I was for 30 years. Like, I don't need to see that side. I lived that side for so long. And I, I see the it. toxicity. Right. I see the, I see what's going on. Like someone recently just told me when I, I, I can't remember even what I said, but she came to me and said, I would encourage you to read the gospel of John, pray that God would speak to you, do all this. <laughs> and I was like, do you know how many times I have read the gospel of John? Pray, like, a mil- like this is, that was my thing. That's what I did. Just God will speak to you through his word and you don't need anything else. And all of this. So um, it, 
people aren't super successful when they try to come at me <laughs> with it's like you're, right, you're it's right. like you're bringing me my own book from 2006 and saying you should read this right. book and maybe you'll learn something i'm like <laughs> yeah i wrote that book and no that's not i'm not going back to that i will not um right. i don't know where i've landed i don't know where i'm headed exactly what i do know is i'm not going back to that like no right. way no submission no men are better and higher and greater no yeah no hierarchy and i love what you said about the uh, uh, christians being at the top of the hierarchy when other people are going to hell because we hear white supremacy and we're like well that's bad because white people aren't better than anybody else but we hear i when i first heard the word christian supremacy i remember what i thought i was like well duh it is. The, it's. It's the like, <laughs> obviously it's the only right way. <laughs> Clearly stated I mean, in John. Yeah. So that's that's. I mean that's fine. And now I'm like, oh, okay, I yeah. get it. I yeah. get it now. But that's that was my mindset. So, and if you were to say male supremacy, yeah. I would be like, well, yeah, because God yeah, did the it. Bible that, says that's so. how God, God yeah. says so. And yeah, I mean. Yeah. Gosh, what a mess. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, I and I think I want to try to make one clarification on the nuance and this may be a bomb. So you're going to okay. tell me if it works okay. or not. Um when we're talking about these realizations that we're both trying to kind of encapsulate yeah. like and especially where you were talking about how to handle it and how to receive it. I think that there is a difference between ashamed and oh. shame. I think feeling ashamed is important okay? because that's when you go, oh, I fucked mm -hmm. up. Like I was out of line. My thought process was incorrect. Mm -hmm. I should not have thought, well, yeah, Christian supremacy is completely fine. Mm -hmm. um, but then we do what you said, which was like, oh, honey, mm -hmm. oh, I love you so yeah. much. I'm so sorry that you felt that way. And then we don't hold on to the shame. Mm. We release mm. that, which I think you specified as yeah. well. So yeah, I think ashamed is a perfectly fine thing mm -hmm. to feel in necessary, but shame. Yeah, we can't hold on to that because then we don't get to where you have moved on yeah. to, right? Which is, I'm not angry at myself and I'm not doing things out of white guilt or Christian mm -hmm, guilt or any mm -hmm. of this. I am doing these things because this is who I am. These are, this is my mm -hmm. voice. And I am now exercising that in a way that I haven't been allowed to do before. Yeah. I really like that. Um, because it is, it's like, and it's stuff that we, we did that was harmful and we, we should feel bad, right? Like we, we need to feel bad. That's right. It's a motivator. Um, and, and it's just, if we can distinguish between also, um, I am ashamed of what I did, or I am a shameful, terrible person, like where you can say, I, I believe that I am good in my heart. I believe that I wanted yeah. to do what was right, but what I did was, was not good. It was, um, it was harmful. Yeah. Um, and so that I think that comes up a lot in, I mean, especially like in anti-racism work where people take it so personally, like, like if you, if you're called out for something and then, well, I'm just a terrible person. I'm, and that goes back to what my ex-husband used to do. Oh, I'm just stupid. I'm just dumb. Yeah. You're smarter than me. I'm, just, I'm like, that's not, 
when you're wrong, that's not, you don't need to go all the way there. You can just say, oh, right. I was wrong. I'm going to do right. I'm going to, you don't have to just spiral down into, well, I'm the worst person ever. And I'm a terrible, terrible person. Right. No. And that, that kind of goes back to what we're taught in, in Christianity that you are, you're a terrible, wretched person. Like you are worthless right. and a piece of shit without God. And so it's easy to spiral down that because mm -hmm. that's how we view ourselves, that we are complete yes. sinners, the original sin. Um, we're born sinners. We're born. And if you think that about yourself, you're going to think it about other people. And when the Bible, the Bible's got some good stuff in it, in particular, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love, if the way you love yourself is calling yourself a wretched worm that God has to fill up because you're nothing, then that's how you're going to love your neighbor. You're a wretched person without God. And if you see that your neighbor doesn't quote unquote have God because they're not a Christian or the kind of Christian yeah. that you think they should be, then how are you viewing them? You're viewing them as a wretched, horrible creature, an enemy. Mm -hmm who deserves hell. And if someone deserves hell, yeah. I saw someone just say this recently, yeah. that if you think someone deserves eternal burning damnation in hell, then it's fine to just say mean things to them, do mean things to them, yes. because that's nothing compared to the hell that they deserve that they're going yes. to get. God treats them yep. way worse than you do. And that yeah. is so messed up in a bible that says god is love and we've somehow twisted that to the loving god sends people to hell so i can love people and tell them they're going to hell i can love people and not take care of their needs i can love people and make them give birth to their baby but not help them um in any way shape or form and yep so yeah yeah i don't I can't remember where this yeah. started. This I question. Think, oh, shame and a shame. For, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I don't either. This is this is what's great about this yeah. this podcast. We just we just go yeah, wherever and hopefully do. it yeah, it does. It always comes around and has beautiful, wonderful things to extrapolate from it. But um and now I had something to say afterwards and instead I'm completely distracted by the fact that I chose to use the word extrapolate in standard conversation <laughs> as if that's normal. You're okay. so smart. <laughs> Dang it, you're smart. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's because I, it, you know, the writer brain yeah. kicks in, and I'm like, yes, extrapolate. I do like it comes that in my word. mouth, and I'm like, wait, no, it's like yeah. a good one. <laughs> Damn it! Oh, what was I going to talk about? I was going to say, let's see, we we're talking about the. Oh, it's gone. Uh, yeah. Damn it! It might come back. In the meantime, instead of stammering around, I'm going to rewind us just a little bit, um, which might be a bad choice because I feel like where we were going was good, but um, you, I want to read another poem. Um, because I would like you to talk about this a little bit more. Uh, and it's your, I asked for it mm. and it's about being used up mm. for God. Um, and I think that this is so significant in silencing. So you say, God, use me for your purposes. Use me for your glory. Use me for your kingdom. Not my will, but thine. Use me. Take everything out of me. I just want to be used by you. Used and abused taken advantage of, left hanging out to dry, all used up until there's nothing left. What an honor and a privilege to be used, used, used. 
this oh see and this actually does this I remember now what I was gonna say. <laughs> um and it does actually kind of tie into this one of the things that helped me on my mm-hmm, eight-year deconstruction mm. that I fought kicking and screaming um but one of the things that I just couldn't ignore was my children mm. because when I would look at let's say let's take this this poem for example right um the yeah buts in my head would have been like well, of course, yes, use me because God wants me humble, mm-hmm. right? And and that's godly and that's holy. And and otherwise I'll fall into ego and I'll and I'll be this horrible, mm-hmm. you know, egoic human being and and I won't get to heaven and all these things. But then when I would look at my children mm-hmm. and I would think, would I want them to give that to mm-hmm. me? Would I want them? to be used by me, to become empty for me, Mm -hmm. to become Mm -hmm. me and lose the beautiful, brilliant self that is trying to shine out of them that I'm currently squashing. Mm -hmm. That felt so Mm ungodlike that I could not ignore it. I could not make sense of that in my head any longer. So if you were talking to women who were coming out of this and who were still like, you know, they're, they're, they're bleeding and they're broken and they have been used up and they're still a little confused as to whether that should be something they desired or not. What would you say to them from where you're standing now, from what you know now? Well, I love that you brought up the kids because that I, I too have had moments of revelation that, that were like that, where, um, and now I'll, I'll get to your question in a second, but because some people like I would, yeah. I would use that honestly for anyone I'm talking to who's a mother. Um, if they're not a mother, then I would need to go maybe a different direction. But when you, when we as moms know how much we love our kids and how much we would do anything for them and how we just want them to thrive and to not feel like they have to measure up to someone else, not feel like they have to be something that we want them to be, but that we just want them to be whole. We want them to be um, everything that they could be. And then, like you said, we see God wanting to do, to use us, to do, to make us nothing, to we're only there for him um, and not for ourselves. And yeah, I think there's even a verse in the Bible that says, if your if your child wants a fish, would you give him a stone or whatever? It's like explaining being a good parent, like God gives you good gifts. And I forget, it's probably in the Gospel of John that that woman wanted me to read. Um, but it's it's talking <laughs> about like God being a good father or a good parent and wanting what's truly best, which is what confuses me about the Bible because you've got some good stuff in it like that. And then, and and I think it really comes down to who's interpreting it, who wrote these different things. It's not just what I used to believe that God breathed these words, gave everybody the words. It's exactly what God wanted to say. And it's all literal and true. Now I'm like, oh, human people wrote these things. They have like- there have been 75 yeah. translations and churches have just been like, delete that yeah. part. Yeah, exactly. So, so I guess I do get it. Um, but just wanting what 
is the absolute true best for your kids. And, and then God, not like God, not giving you any kind of say in the matter, not giving you like, why? I, I don't know that I ever questioned this. If God made each one of us in their image and we're all different and unique and all of this, and yet we're somehow supposed to be put in this mold that's like exactly the same like why did not why didn't god just churn out all these identical looking people if if god wanted us to be absolutely identical and do things exactly the same way and this is how you're holy and this is how this goes and because we have like i i don't know how many kids you have i have three daughters who are very 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 different people they have the same father mm -hmm. and the same mother <laughs> and they're not that far apart yep. in age. And a couple of them look a little bit alike, but they are so different in the way that they dress, the way that they talk, the way that they act, the things that they love, the things that they're good at. Um, and that's just three kids in the same family with the, with the same parents. Yeah. And I don't want them to be the same. I don't want them. And they're not here for my glory. <laughs> like, like I would not. Right. Sure, I'm proud of them. Sure, I love them. But what kind of parent would I be if I was like, you are nothing. Your desires don't matter. I will use you so that I can get glory. Like, that's the plan here. That's, that's how this goes. Yeah. Is that... And I'm sure there are probably some parents who do that, um, but that's not oh, yes. what yes, I want to do. I don't, I don't want to to use them for my glory, and I don't yeah. want. Okay, so you're saying what would I say to a woman who has been bleeding and broken and has been used and has let people use her? I, I talk about in the book that when I every time I said let God use me, well, we can't see God and we can't hear God and we don't know God really. So when I was asking to be used, I had to be used by actual other humans. And they turned out to be people like my pastor, yeah. my husband, <laughs> my like whoever was in charge or whoever was making the rules or whoever's in spiritual authority, that's who would use me. And um, I was just telling a friend the other day that if I were to add up all of the volunteer hours that I gave to church over my lifetime, let's say I got paid $10 an hour for that, I would have so much money right now. I let people use me constantly, like use me to work in the nursery, use me to sing in your choir, use me to do this, use me to do this, and this ministry and this ministry and this yeah. thing and this thing, and I'll come do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. And it was this constant, I need God to use me, use me, use me. I have to be used, I have to be used. And um, that, that sucks. I still love people very much. I still want to, I need to use different terminology, be used. I don't, I don't want to be used. I want my life and my talents and my love to make an impact in the world, to make an impact in individual people's lives. One thing that I've realized, I am not good at working in the church nursery. I am good at helping <laughs> friends 
with their writing. Like there's, there are different things where Mm -hmm. I was just put into what are the shitty jobs that no one wants to do? And there you can go serve there. That's where God wants to use you. Well, now I know that not that I can't ever do a job that no one wants to do, but God wants to use the actual skills and talents and passions that I have to, to, Uh to reach people like your podcast, like you are doing something that you love, that you are good at, and it's making a difference in actual people's lives. And I, that is my favorite feeling. Like that is my favorite feeling in the world where what I love helps someone benefit someone in some way. Um, And so to those women, I would just ask, think of someone you love. Do you want this person that you love to, to be used, to be beaten down, to be like this? No. And, And you don't want that for yourself. And if you, if you want to believe the Bible, then the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You've got to love yourself. That was always the last thing that I did. I love God. I loved my husband, loved my kids, loved my church, loved all the people. And if there was anything left for me, then I would love me. But there was never anything. <laughs> there was never anything right, left. I didn't right. have enough left exactly. for that. Yeah. Well, I, I've mentioned this on an episode, I'm sure, maybe two. I don't know. I always feel so bad for my <laughs> listeners because I'm like, I shared this story yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Probably don't yeah. know if you listen to that one or not, but it's here. So I'm just going to apologize straight out the gate. Um, but the, um, damn it, I've got to stop doing that. See, then as soon as I um, try to make something better and then I make a joke and then it's gone. <laughs> Everything I was going to say, just gone. I feel um, you. Let's you yeah, see, you were talking about the using and then it was the box i was thinking about and then the um, church the church the nursery the podcast i'm telling you as soon as i start talking again it'll come back maybe um (laughs) it was funny well when you first started talking about this being used question i wrote something down and then you said something like two minutes later that was so similar that i was like giggling (laughs) um and so i scribbled on your paper here um, I said, so God created us, but if we're female, he wants to destroy mm. us. Why not just make us that way to start? Yeah. Right? If that's what yep. he wanted. Like if yeah. he wanted us to be in this yeah. box, like why, why wouldn't he have just, cre- yeah. it doesn't make any, so much of this doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense. Once yep. you step oh, out yep. of the cognitive yep. dissonance, all of a sudden yep. you're like, wait a second. Like why? Yeah, why would he make me, and we talked about this at the beginning, why would he make me a good speaker? Why would he make me intelligent? Right. Why would he make me, yeah. you know, have, have an analytical mind? That can put, why would he do that and then be like, now, because you don't yep. have a penis, none of those you things are going to work them. for you. But if yep. you did, we could have used that. Too so bummer. Bad for you. Like, right. It just, oh, it makes me, it makes me bananas. Um, ooh. Okay, really quick. I loved this one. So I'm trying to, we're going to be wrapping this up in just a second, but I still have all of these things on my desk that we haven't read. So this one's so short, but I love this because again, it's just so many people have a hard time finding new ways to look at the things in their life where they've always had that God card to kind of Mm. plug in there. So like your example of, you know, um, 
oh, it's it's mm-hmm. the devil or it's God or like that was such a coping mm-hmm. mechanism for you. Um, and one of those things is, yeah, how do I stop feeling everything that I'm feeling? Because I'm so used to casting mm-hmm. my burdens to God. And so your really short little poem here of just as good. And it says, give your burdens to God, cast your cares upon him, or you can just set them down. on bench. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. <laughs> I was like, yes, it's so true. Like we could be like, oh, but I need God to hand these two or, or we could just make a choice, which is hard. I mean, we're yeah, oversimplifying yeah. this and I understand this. It might take three hours yeah. in the bathtub crying and your daughter hears you hypothetically <laughs> speaking not that that's ever happened to me specifically in my life. Um, but like, you know, you could spend that time and then just set it down all on your own. And it's beautiful. And I just, I love stuff like that because it just gives a new way of looking at something that you've always yeah, done. Yeah, because to be honest, God is not talking back. And if we do hear God talk back, how do we know it's not our own voice inside? That's another thing where I've, we've been told, don't listen to yourself, but listen to the Holy Spirit. But both of them come as voices inside your head. So how are you to know which one is which? But when, so that's how I feel right now. I can still say things. I can still pray. I don't know who I'm praying to, but I realized I never did. I just thought I did. And I mentioned that in another poem about all the journals talking to dear Lord, dear Lord, dear Lord. And now it feels like I was talking to an imaginary pen pal because I was just talking to myself. Um, And that's kind of an important thing to do. Talk to a therapist, talk to yourself, write stuff down, whatever. God can be there or God isn't there. But um, yeah, I don't know. And I I still don't know how to explain away God things, what I used to call God things. Because things happen in my life that I'm like, there's no logical explanation for this. Like two people that I are in two totally different things saying something almost exactly the same to me. And it's something that I had been wondering about. Like just these coincidences or whatever they are. But I'm like, it yeah. can't be a coincidence. It yeah. has to be God. Well, now I don't, I, I still don't know what it is. There are things like that. There is some kind of divine or universal something or karma i don't know what it is but um right i believe in it and i'm gonna i don't know i don't even know where i was going with that because i <laughs> i think well i you know what though i love i love where you're going because i have another one of your poems sitting here and i think it's okay. connected so i i think one of the things that was the hardest for me and one of the things that drug out my like decision mm-hmm. to leave was I had always felt like I knew mm. everything. Like I had all the answers because that's what yeah, religion tells yeah. us, right? Like you don't have to worry because like here's here's all your, your answers here on little cute mm-hmm. index cards. Um, and so to step away into the I don't mm. know phase is extraordinarily yeah. difficult. And for me, that was mm. the hardest jump. Um, but it was the final piece. Literally, that was the final break free was like, okay, I don't know. And I have to be mm. okay with not knowing. But once I stepped into that, and I've seen this time and time again, and you talk about it specifically in, I don't actually know how to pronounce the name of this poem. Is this a okay. word that I don't know? Palimpsest? Palimpsest? It's, what is um, okay, now, now that you said that, it's palim- palimpsest. I'm like, this is I a think. word, right? I, okay. Palimpsest. Yes, yeah, there's I'm not ex- there. That's a funny story. I won't go into that. But it's a word that I had never heard before. But I saw it somewhere, and I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because it's what it means is, like, taking something like a piece of art or something 
and covering over it and making something different. But sometimes it'll show through like what, what is underneath it. So I use that word and I don't think I've ever said it out loud. Um, so, so I'm like, yeah, we're gonna, now we're Um, both embarrassed. (laughs) Right. Right. Just skip the, skip the title and go into the poem. So there's a title and it starts with a P. Uh, so find that one. Um, but so you talk about it here and I, and I know a lot of women have run into this where you, you come out and you think, oh my God, you know what I think? I think this. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I think. But then Mm -hmm. it it changes as your deconstruction continues. And I think that that tends to trigger for a lot of people that, oh my God, I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. Mm -hmm. I just, I just walked right into the next thing and I, and fell right into this different belief system. And I don't know. I think that that might be part of the Mm -hmm. process as long as you're okay with continuing that redoing and moving and like rearranging and no, I actually think this and that's okay. It's okay to change that. Um, and I loved your analogy here for this. I thought it was beautiful. So you said, I knocked down the house of cards that was my shaky evangelical faith, and I'm building a new one with Legos that I can rearrange whenever I want. (laughs) That was so perfect. Cut up some of the cards and made a tiny coffee table book for my living room, hung three as wall art, but painted over the original designs in my personal style, used one as a welcome mat and put the unsalvageable ones through the shredder. Now scouring thrift stores for other decor, slowly making my new home my own and loving the process. I'm in no rush. And I love it. I love everything about that because it is such a beautiful approach to this deconstruction and rediscovery of self of it's Legos. Like it's fine. Pull it apart, move it, get rid of some, go buy another piece, like just be free and flexible and you're honoring Mm -hmm. yourself and your understandings and your voice and your own growth. And that is exactly perfect. Mm-hmm. You aren't doing anything wrong. Yeah. That, that house of cards analogy, that's how it felt. And when people talk about that, like a slippery slope or one domino, like if you question one thing, it's like a domino, then the rest are going to fall. Those analogies are actually pretty accurate because that's what happened mm-hmm. because you do start to like the sweater unravels or the dominoes fall or the slippery slope because you you uncover that one thing is toxic or not true then the other thing then the other thing and you keep questioning keep questioning and i felt that way a lot with my faith that oh no oh no if someone pokes one hole or gets in one thing or knocks down one card what if everything falls and now on the outside i'm realizing how sad that was that i that i lived in such fear that one little thing could could topple it all and when you're talking about i don't remember when i got comfortable with saying i don't know but i am so comfortable with it now and i love it and it's it's so freeing and i do see it making people very very comfortable another thing that it does is when people come at you and they're hoping to catch you in something or they want to make you trip up on something and when you say oh i don't know or i don't have an answer for that that throws them too because they're expecting this debate where you're solid in what you believe they're solid in what they believe and you're going to fight back and forth and change neither one neither one's mind but you're going to have this big thing and 
it's just, it's just freeing. Like putting the word heretic on the front of my first book, no one can come to me and say, well, you're a heretic. Well, yeah, I am. Like based on your definition, I already know this. Like that is not, I am not offended by that. I don't care about that. And I also, I no longer care what's, what the Bible says as far as, but the Bible says this, but the Bible says this. Well, I don't care. That was written 2000 years ago to a group of people by different people in a house church and this and that and that. You can use things in there. You can learn things just like I learned from all the books that are on my bookshelf. But I don't care that the Bible says homosexuality is wrong. Never mind that the word homosexuality wasn't even put in the Bible until 1946 and on and on. Like all of these things that you could say to them that would topple their house of cars. Like it really, it really would because the book that we call the Bible is actually this library of books. And this thing that I was taught was airtight and so true and nothing could get to it. I realized that's like the farthest thing from the truth. It's not that at all. And people put it together from different places. There's a bunch of white people in Europe and a few hundred years ago and on and on and on and on and on. Things that I never dove deeply into because I I just didn't know. I didn't know. I thought it was truth. I thought it was handed down from God. I thought I, I just I believed what I was told about it. And um, I'm done with that. So, so yeah, I don't know yeah. is, is a really cool thing to be able to say. And I want that for people. And they're like, well, what do I have if I don't have certainty? Mm-hmm. You never had certainty. You just thought you did. You convinced yourself that you did. Right. Kind of like, I'm certain that I'm going to live to be 90. No, honey, you, you <laughs> there's no such thing. Like, you cannot right. be certain. Um, and And it's just, yeah, I know I keep saying this, but it's so freeing. Like, I can feel the literal burden off of my shoulders, off of my chest, that I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to explain away how a God could be all powerful, all knowing and good. And yet there are bad things that happen in the world and all of that. I don't know how I I can no longer explain that away. I never could. I just tried to, or I thought I could, or I said, God's ways are higher than ours. Or you you needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's always well. Because God. Because God God knows. And God's ways are And we are too simple to understand. Yes. Yeah. Always. Yep. That's the name of the podcast. In the name of God. Yes. That's what it is. It's not a this is not a conversation about whether God is or isn't. It is submit Mm -hmm. because God said so. It's not us. It's not us. Like we didn't we it's not this is not our decision. That was God. God. Take that up. Take that up with him. Right. With Father God. <laughs> right. It's uh it's just it's such yeah. it's such a mess. Okay. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna ask you one, if there's anything before wait, where did it go? Where did it go? Oh yeah. I have one more poem that I'm gonna read in conclusion. Okay. I'm gonna let you respond to it. I don't know that you'll okay. have a lot to say about it, so that's why I think it's a nice little ending point. So before we do that. Do you have anything else that you would like to add that we haven't talked about? Do you have any um, advice for the women listening who have come out of a variety of situations 
you know, some less extreme than yours, some more extreme than yours. Um, anything at all that you want to make sure goes on record today? Well, first, I would just tell women not to read any of the books that I used to write <laughs> that I might have mentioned here. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, if, if they do want to read, you need to start with Unbelieve that was in 2021 and Jaded in 2022. Those are the only two that I can actually um, still safely endorse. So that's that's my story. I love to meet women, to talk to women. Um, I hang out on Instagram and Twitter a lot. Those are my online spaces where I, I share things um, that matter to me, things that are I'm on my journey talking about. Um, and so on Instagram and Twitter, it's Marla Taviano. And then you had briefly mentioned the white girl learning. That is a place where I, I read and review books that are exclusively by black authors, indigenous authors, other authors of color. And I have just learned so much, not just about um, race and racism, but about um, feminism, about um, religion, about all of the things that kind of is all um, converged there where I'm learning from new voices instead of just the white Christian men with the occasional white Christian woman. And, and it, it has helped me as someone that's, that's, lower on the patriarchal structure, like the hierarchy to, to see other people who are on, like you said, everything is hierarchical. And so hierarchical, uh, again, I, I don't know my words either. Um, it's hard. It's hard that's why it. I write every, instead of talking. No, um, <laughs> I know. That's what I'm always like. I don't pronounce these exactly, things. I just exactly. type them in. And then and then word says you've spelled it wrong. And I'm like, okay, tell me yeah. how to spell it correctly. Yeah. So, so kind of my, my whole thing, my whole thing is everyone getting to thrive, to be whole, to get whatever it is that they need. And if that's like on a structural level, systemic level, like fighting policies and laws that are hurting people or making places more accessible for disabled people or fighting for rights for queer people or helping women get out from underneath these patriarchal structures, like all of those things, that's, I just want people to be whole. I want them to thrive. Um, I want to live a life of love that is the real kind of love, not the love that says you're going to hell if you don't do this. And so that's loving of me to tell you that. Um, yeah, I'm just, it, it, the Bible says God is love. And I'm, I'm living by love right now. So as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's good enough for me um, as far as the God discussion. And I'm still figuring it out. And I don't know. And it is so much fun. I am 47 years old. I don't know what the future holds. I hope I get a lot more years because I have a lot of things I want to learn. I want to say. I want to write. And part of it is, yes, making up for lost time. And um, some of it is just, my whole world has opened up. Um, I'm out of the box. I'm out of the cage and the chains are broken and I am just skipping around <laughs> and meeting new people yes. and finding out new ideas and I can trust myself and I can love people freely, whoever they are. And it's, no, my life is not easy. Um, but it's really, I, I just love being me and I want everybody to love being themselves. That's, that's what yeah. I want. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love the, the skipping because I, I, I yeah. feel that so much. Like 
I've been out of Mormonism mm. for four years now, and Mormonism restricts, restricts uh. clothing a lot. And so going outside in the summer and feeling sun uh, on like the yeah. skin of my shoulders and the skin of my back gives me such I extraordinary bet. delight. Wow. And four years later, mm. and it has not dulled. Like, I'm just like, every time the weather warms up, I'm like, this oh, is the best yeah. thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just the happiness that I feel mm-hmm. is. I just want to skip and run. And it's light mm. and it's beautiful. And yeah, I, I Ooh, understand yeah. The, yeah. the visuals that you're throwing, like, all the way down. Um, and that actually does lead us to this poem <laughs> that we're going to end with. Um, and we can, um, you say white evangelical Christianity in here, I mm-hmm. could sub Mormonism in no problem. And I feel like probably every woman mm-hmm. listening could sub their own yeah. religion into this. So it says that face, when you come to the conclusion that not only is there no hell, but white evangelical Christianity is mm. the hell. Yeah. And when you get out of hell, yeah. it's light and skipping and delightful. I actually do want to skip. Like when we're done, I want to go skip. <laughs> yes, just go skip around. Oh, Marla, thank you so, so much for taking the time to come on and for everything that you've shared. It's been beautiful and enlightening, and I am excited for people thank to go Thank you pick so up much. This was so much fun. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking the time to like, rate, review, and share. Let's make sure that when someone clicks on this podcast, that our voices are the loudest. Love you all. There once was a woman who lost her way. She wandered through thickets and thorns. They told her her pain was not but the price of finding her soul again. Silent, she was silent, but she'll carry her pain no more. Silent, she was silent. But you can